The Successful Servant Leader Podcast is all about the pioneer woman on her unique journey of becoming and being who God has called her to be. The divine connection between the wealth mindset and success in every area of our lives can no longer be denied. Successful Servant Leader teaches us how to increase our confidence and strategically and effectively serve while in the pursuit of success in our lives, our faith, and our businesses. I'm your host, Victoria Grace, and welcome to the show. Hey, SSL fam. Thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of this movement. I'm so glad that you're here. Give yourself a pat on the back for intentionally choosing to be a part of this conversation that will surely help all of us level up spiritually, personally, and professionally. Now, if you're new here, welcome. I'm so happy you're here. Go ahead and make sure that you hit that subscribe button on whatever app you're listening on. You'll get a fresh episode on either the wealthy place, healthy behavior change, and any current topics related to the modern day servant leader and pioneer woman every single week. I want to say happy new week. I pray that your last week was off the chain. And if it wasn't, let's do what we can together to make sure that this week is okay. Today's BT or our biblical truth of the day is fight for your confidence. It's based off of Jeremiah chapter 17 verses 7 and 8. It says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Fight for your confidence. Stand firmly on that. Believe that you have the power and the authority through Christ to mentally and physically align yourself with God's truth regularly and consistently, not just on occasion. You guys know that our daily biblical truths come from the pursuit, which you can join the community right at the link in the show notes. Remember, the pursuit is always free, literally and figuratively. You just have to make the choice to do it. So as we get ready to hop on into today's episode, I am so excited to be talking about today's modern pioneer woman of her time, Miss Ruby Bridges, actually Mrs. Ruby Bridges. Okay, because if you did not know, Ruby Bridges is still alive and well to this day. And if you're like me and you only remember little bits and pieces like she was the youngest little girl, a part of the segregated school movement, um, and that that was pretty much all we learned in school, then you're right with me. That's pretty much all I remember other than the Little Rock Nine, which was a little bit more graphic and we learned a little bit more about, but Ruby Bridges, her situation actually happened a few years after after the Little Rock Nine. And I just don't think that we learned enough about it. Now, I'm not going to really give too much of a history lesson on that. I am going to play just a short clip on Mrs. Ruby Bridges and what she went through as a six-year-old child in New Orleans. Um, But then we're going to really get into why I believe that she is a modern day pioneer woman of her time. Because obviously, when this happened to her during the civil rights movement and 
obviously segregating this school in New Orleans. She was just a child. She was kind of thrown into this place, not even realizing I'm getting this hate or I'm getting, you guys got to hear the story that she tells. I'm super excited to share it with you guys. Um, but I think what's really great for me is that as she tells it as an adult, she keeps her roots rooted in Christ. And if you haven't really gotten with the theme here of our modern pioneer woman of their time, I am going for people who actively talk about Christ, who actively talk about their faith. And not to say that everybody else is not great, but what is this podcast about? It is a faith-based podcast for successful servant leaders and modern pioneer women. So of course we need people that's just going to keep it real. Like my faith got me through my faith did this, this and that. And so I am super excited to share two different articles that I found about Ruby Bridges. The first one is by CBN. I think it's connected to the 700 Club and it was written a few years ago. It's not really new. Um, And then the other one is by Columbia Student News, so Columbia University, and it's titled Ruby Bridges on Faith, Forgiveness, and Racism. And then on the 700 Club, the title is Ruby Bridges Shares the Key to Overcoming Racism. And I think that it's so important. And I think that in this day and age, in 2022, we don't talk enough about the Ruby Bridges, about forgiveness. If you don't have a heart of Christ, if you don't have the mind of Christ, forgiveness will not even be a part of your language. You will walk around hating the people who suppressed you, who oppressed you. Sorry, you will walk around hating the fact that you didn't get a particular place or position or whatever it is because of the color of your skin. And there's so many other things that I can get into. And like I said, if you are a part of the pursuit, if you join us on our weekly prayer calls, and if you're a part of the inner circle, then you already know there's two sides to this coin when it comes to being black in America, when it comes to being black in general. And so I pray that as we go through Black History Month, I cannot wait for God to just release me to get out of just the Black History Month stuff and really get into the nitty gritty stuff for us as people of color to truly get out of this mindset that keeps us stuck and stagnant. So first things first is I do want to share just a little bit about the history behind Ruby Bridges, just in case you forgot or you didn't learn about it in school. I was on TikTok and I found this girl's page and she posted two different posts. And the first post that she made, she wasn't talking. And the second post, she is talking. So the one that she's talking, I will share that with you. But the first post, and mind you, I will link both of these videos in the show notes for you guys but the first post she simply just reposted someone else's tweet and it says the people who threw rocks at ruby bridges for trying to go to school are now upset that their grandchildren might learn about them throwing rocks at ruby bridges for trying to go to school so this is directly talking about critical race theory being in schools and Yeah, I have a whole different topic on that one. But as we switch on over to the second post, she's basically responding to somebody who commented on that first post. And the comment says, but dot dot, I learned about that in school already. Did you guys not? And this was her response to that comment. This kind of 
comment has come up a lot in my video on Ruby bridges. And my answer is no, I didn't learn about this in school. I learned about integration to a certain extent, but we really only learned about the Little Rock Nine in Arkansas a few years before Ruby Bridges. I didn't learn about Ruby Bridges in Louisiana. I didn't learn that she's barely retirement age right now today at 67 years old. I didn't learn that as a six-year-old little girl walked into school that there were grown white women hysterically crying and fainting as a result. As a result of their racism, that a six-year-old little girl was walking into a school. I didn't learn that they threw rocks at a six-year-old girl and her mother. I didn't learn that four federal marshals had to walk a six-year-old into her elementary school so that the white people wouldn't hurt her. I didn't learn that white people put a little black baby doll inside of a coffin and paraded it around as a six-year-old little girl tried to go to school. I didn't learn that Ruby Bridges couldn't eat the lunch provided by the school. She had to eat the lunch that her parents provided for her because they were scared that someone was going to try to poison her. I didn't learn about the white adults and the white children outside her school singing glory, glory, segregation, the South will rise again. I didn't learn that 500 white kids were pulled out of that school because Ruby Bridges went there. I didn't learn about how grown white adults yelled slurs and threats at a six-year-old little girl. I didn't learn that the black children had to apply to go to the white schools that the white kids could just get to go to. I didn't learn that out of the 137 black first graders that applied to go to integrated schools, only five of them were accepted. And Ruby was the only one accepted to go to the elementary school that she went to. I didn't learn that in retaliation for Ruby going to an integrated school, her grandparents were evicted from their farm. I didn't learn that when Ruby Bridges was in the first grade, there was only one teacher at that school who was willing to teach her, Barbara Henry. And I didn't learn that for that entire school year, in the first grade, Ruby Bridges was alone. No other kids in that class. In class, alone. Ate lunch, alone. On the playground, alone. All year. Every day. Didn't miss a day. So no, I did not learn about Ruby Bridges in school. And I doubt that many of us really learned about Ruby Bridges in school. And if some people have their way, Black history will get even more and more diluted in public education. So when I first heard this, I was just like, okay, a lot of these things I didn't even know. To be honest, I grouped Ruby Bridges and the Little Rock Nine all together. Like as a kid, that's just how I felt like it was taught to me. And that's kind of how I remembered it. I didn't even realize it was happening at separate times and in separate places. Never even realizing that it wasn't even in Little Rock, you guys. Like, please forgive me for my ignorance. But if you can relate, you know unfortunately we can relate to each other and so I am not going to say anything else because I loved that this woman her name is also Victoria by the way she put this out um, in honor of Black History Month so that we can learn more about black history and a lot of things that they do not unfortunately they just don't teach us in school and whether it is because they don't 
care enough about black history to teach us or it's because they don't want us to know about the terrible terrible past that America actually has because we just have to say it you know slavery segregation Jim Crow South it was a brutal brutal system and they literally treated people of color black people as if they were three-fifths of a person as if they were not human and so I don't want to say anything else because the two articles that I'm going to share with you guys is definitely going to fill in the gaps and kind of solidify some things for you guys. So let's hop right in. Ruby Bridges shares the key to overcoming racism. When we turned the corner, I saw all of these people. November 14th, 1960, it was six-year-old Ruby Bridges' first day of school at William France Elementary in New Orleans. Ruby says, I remember them chanting, two, four, six, eight, we don't want to integrate. It had been six years since the U.S. Supreme Court mandated the desegregation of schools. Washington was now putting pressure on Louisiana and other states had yet to comply. In a veiled attempt to appear compliant, city officials in New Orleans gave 150 black kindergartners an entrance exam, one they had no chance of passing. But six of the 150 kindergartners passed that test, and Ruby was one of them. Everybody was coming over and congratulating my parents. She's so smart. She passed. We're so proud of her. So I actually thought that I was so smart that I passed this test that would allow me to go from first grade to college, remembers Ruby. Three girls, including Ruby, were selected to attend William France Elementary. But on the first day, November 14th, the other two girls dropped out, making Ruby the only black student in the school. My parents said, Ruby, you're going to go to a new school today and you'd better behave. There was a knock at the door and four very tall white men were standing at the door. And I remember looking at them thinking, well, who are they? Those four men were United States Marshals sent by President Eisenhower. Their job was to escort Ruby to and from school. One of the men was Charles Burks. Charles recalls, we had a lot of demonstrations against what we were doing. The main thing was to be sure nothing happened to her. We'd tell her, just stay close to us. Everything's going to be all right. Ruby says, there were barricades everywhere. There were cameras everywhere. I thought I'd stumbled into a parade. I actually thought it was Mardi Gras. Charles says, it didn't seem to bother her any. She was just doing what she had been told to do. Ruby's mother went as well. Once the marshals escorted them inside, they were taken to the principal's office. They stayed there all day while white parents scrambled in and out of classrooms, taking their children out of school. Ruby says, 500 kids walked out of school that day and I didn't know what was going on because nobody explained anything to me. Finally, the bell rang and someone came into the office and they said, school is dismissed. You can leave. And I remember sitting there and thinking, wow, college is so easy. By the next day, the crowds had doubled. Ruby remembers they kept pointing at me and shouting, we're going to poison her. We're going to hang her. Charles says, I knew what we were doing was right and we were going to make sure it happened. This time, Ruby was taken into a classroom. Ruby says, I remember looking into that classroom and all I saw was empty desks. I didn't see one child. 
But one other person was there, her teacher, Barbara Henry. Coming from Boston, she was the only one willing to teach Ruby. Ruby says, I remember looking at her thinking, she's white. I'd never seen a white teacher before. She looked exactly like the people outside, but she wasn't. I always say that she showed me her heart. The following week, students started to return, but the principal confined Ruby to her classroom and didn't allow her to play outside or eat in the cafeteria. I remember going to the back of the classroom to sharpen my pencil and you could look onto the playground. There were these huge oak trees, swings and slides and basketball goals. And I kept thinking as I sharpened my pencil, where are the kids? By the end of the school year, the protest had disbanded and Ruby was finally allowed to meet the other children. She remembers, I finally found them, you know, I was excited. So I went in to play with them. This little boy looked at me and he said, I can't play with you. My mom said not to play with you because you're a nigger. So that's what this is all about. It's not Mardi Gras and this isn't college. It's about me. It's about me and the way I look and the color of my skin. And in my mind, that was okay. Yes, he hurt my feelings, but I wasn't angry with him because I felt like he was explaining to me why he couldn't play with me. If my parents said, Ruby, don't play with him. He's Asian, Hispanic, Indian, Muslim, white, mixed race, Jewish, gay. I would have not played with him. I didn't feel like there was anything for me to forgive. The fact that in my mind, he was explaining to me that I would have done the same thing. It wasn't like I was angry with him, so there was nothing there to forgive. The fact that when I passed the crowd, I thought it was Mardi Gras, there was nothing there for me to forgive. Ruby returned to William France the following year. She had a new teacher and a room full of classmates. She went on to attend an integrated high school and eventually graduated from Kansas City Business School with a degree in travel and tourism. And when she married and began raising a family, she taught them to rely on God. Granddaughter Annie says she always falls on her faith and she makes sure that you do as well. So it doesn't matter what you go through, doesn't matter who hates you, and it doesn't matter who dislikes you. As long as you have that faith and that relationship with God, you will be fine. Ruby will return to William France in 1993 when she enrolled her four nieces. She witnessed the same racism she had seen as a little girl. To build bridges between the races, she volunteered as a parent liaison and established an after-school multicultural art club. Soon after, she launched the Ruby Bridges Foundation and began sharing her story with students all over the U.S. She believes that true change takes place in the heart of a child. Ruby says, I see hope that most of us don't see. I'm in schools every day. I am so humbled by the way my story moves kids. It's so simple. How Mrs. Henry didn't judge me. How all I wanted was a friend. Kids get that. They understand that. Our kids know nothing about racism. It's us as adults. We take racism and we pass it on to our kids. And that's why it's still around. Each and every one of us come into the world with a clean heart. I believe that if we are going to get past our racial differences, even today, it's going to come from our kids. It's been over 55 years since Ruby walked up those steps, taking her place in history. Today, her legacy continues to make a difference. 
Charles says, I was happy to see what she did because I knew it it could be done. And I've always told Ruby that I'm glad I was able to have something to do with it. Annie says, to have equality, it takes someone with courage to make that change so that we can come together. And you have to have a great faithful foundation to stand up for what you truly believe. My superhero, she does that every day. Ruby concludes, out of the commandments, the one you should keep is love thy neighbor. That is the key. I have to care about you as a person and a human being. I really believe the longer I live that I really has everything to do with love. Now, let's switch on over to our 2012 article from the Columbia Student News, and it's titled Ruby Bridges on Faith, Forgiveness and Racism. This is where things get really deep. The event oval in the Diana Center was packed with people and almost 200 had to be turned away for lack of space. As Columbia and Bernard students scrambled to see civil rights icon Ruby Bridges speak to the Columbia Bernard community. But if the audience expected a heartwarming tale of a six-year-old girl triumphing over racism and violence by attending an all-white school, they quickly realized Bridges' story was much more complex. Her talk was an extended mediation on the importance of faith and forgiveness, born out of deeply personal and painful experiences in her life. Bridges is world famous for being the first black child to attend an all-white school, William France Elementary, in New Orleans, Louisiana, during the Civil Rights Movement. The NAACP originally selected 140 children to integrate New Orleans schools, but only six of them, all girls by the way, were able to pass the admissions test for the school, which was designed to keep out black students. Once she began attending William France, parents pulled their children out of the school and teachers refused to teach her. Federal marshals had to escort her to class as angry whites protested outside the school, insulting and threatening to kill her. What's remarkable about Bridges, though, is not that she attended the school, but that she forgave all the people who threatened to kill her. Professor Moody Adams told BWOG she was transfixed by Bridges' capacity to, to forgive, and much of the conversation between Bridges and her interviewers focused on the nature and importance of forgiveness. Far from heartwarming, her meditation on forgiveness was somber and serious. As a child, Bridges admitted she only forgave out of habit. It wasn't until she was 30 years old and had to forgive a family member who had seriously hurt her that she realized the importance of forgiveness. Every time she saw this person, she became physically ill. Eventually, sick of being sick, she asked God for relief and felt drawn to forgive the person who wronged her, which freed her from from the crippling physical and emotional effects of feeling seriously wronged. Shocking the audience, she argued that racism is so much worse today compared to the 1960s. It's much more dangerous today. By racism, she did not mean so much discrimination against racial minorities, but the idea which she finds false and dangerous that one is safer associating with members of one's own race. There are good people and bad people, she explained, and that cuts across racial lines. Modern racism, she feels, makes people trust bad people simply because they are members of the same race, which can lead to violence. 
Sadly, her opinion is informed by painful personal experience. I have three sons, but I have four in my heart. She confessed to the audience. My oldest was murdered in 2005. Someone who looked just like him stood over him and shot him 11 times. Making the story even more tragic, her eldest son was only murdered because he was investigating an earlier drive-by shooting of another of Bridges' sons and some of her grandchildren. The audience went dead silent. As Bridges explained that the 2005 murder of her son, her best friend, was the hardest thing she ever faced, but only made her faith stronger. She refused to ask, why me, or give up her faith as a result of the murder, having seen her husband lose his faith after suffering a brutal hit-and-run accident some years before. She insisted, the more faith is tested, the stronger it gets. Bridges' frank discussion of her faith did not go unremarked. You were raised in that tradition, but we have people from lots of different traditions here, and some of what you're saying might seem out there to them. Bridges replied that she did not begrudge anyone their views, but had personally felt the hand of God in her life, recounting a time when she had experienced vivid dreams in the months before her father's unexpected death and a time when she rushed to the emergency room only to meet the nurse who had cared for her son before he died. In this forum, which often tries to promote discussion of faith and philosophy by hosting debates between religious and secular speakers, must have been pleased that Bridges spent most of her time discussing her faith and the nature of forgiveness, rather than retelling the story of the time she walked to school as a first grader. The audience, though perhaps not uniformly comfortable with her avowed belief in God, also seemed to appreciate hearing about her deeply personal experiences and her unique take on the idea of forgiveness. Moody Adams may have summed up the form best when she told Bewog after the forum, forgiveness is emphasized by many religious traditions, but it's also accessible to secular people. I thought this story was just so powerful. I hope that you feel like it was powerful as well because it did not focus on her experience as a six-year-old being discriminated against in 1960. She took her strength and her power back, first of all, by not allowing the things that happened to her, the threats that she received and everything that happened to her family as a child to deter her, first of all, from her faith or how she was going to truly live her life and navigate this newfound platform that she has I mean I don't know how long she's been speaking but I just thought that it was very interesting that she went into both of these interviews first of all the first interview was Christian based so it makes sense where she openly and freely talked about God but in the second interview it was not a Christian forum it was a secular forum in which her only response was forgiveness and faith God was the way that I got out of this. God was the the one who got me through this. God saved me from those white people yelling at me and threatening me when I was a child. But he also got me through the death, the murder of my son by somebody who looked like him. He also got me through the death of my father. He also got me through the depression of my husband. And when my husband lost his faith, my faith and God got me through these things. And so... 
I really want you to think about what were your takeaways from both of these articles and her responses as she was giving answers to these interviewers and being on not only just a Christian panel, but a secular panel as well. What was your takeaway? And I want to share four takeaways that I have. But before I do that, I just want to remind you that in the show notes, you guys can have the links to the two TikTok videos as well as the two articles that I used for today's episode. Go ahead and check them out. I think that Ruby Bridges story is the pinnacle of how to truly fight darkness, how to truly make it through struggles and things like that in our lives. And I think that her story, not just her story as a child, but her adult story, I think that it is the perfect representation of a modern pioneer woman of her time. Because you would think that she would say, I felt hatred in my heart for these people as a kid. I felt a different type of way in my heart towards these people as a child. But she had a completely different answer. And then not only experiencing that as a child and being this national history maker right like she's a literal history maker but also going through these things in her adulthood that is definitely something that would make somebody lose their faith that is definitely something where people will be like yeah I don't know about this God you know what I'm saying like it's not really giving what it's supposed to have gave and yet through it all she kept her faith and she knew that God was the one that got her through the tough time. She knew that God was the one that blessed her. She knew that God was the one that allowed her to not live a life full of hatred or hurt, but to truly heal and forgive the people that had wronged her. And so the four things that I took away from today's lesson was number one, children are not born hating or with hatred in their hearts point blank period. I know I feel like we all probably know this, but if somebody is watching this, or I'm sorry, listening to this podcast and maybe your family has displayed racist things or you know that they are racist towards a group of people because of this color of their skin, because of their religion, because of whatever the case is, then I want you to know and understand that you were not born with that racism in your heart. You were not born with that hatred in your heart. This hatred is something that was learned over time. It's called autogenic. It is something that you learned over time. It was taught to you. It is not phylogenic, which means it's woven into your DNA. It's something that you just automatically know or do because it's a part of your genetic makeup. It is autogenic. You have learned this or whoever it is in your family, they have learned this or your friends, they have learned this. They have learned predispositions against certain types of people. They have learned to not trust certain types of people in certain places because of something that was taught or told to them or maybe they watched something on tv or whatever the case is it was learned and if we are going to live in a society that is going to go forward and not continue to be this society that is racist we have to understand that it is something that is learned and it can be inherently learned it doesn't have to be learned on purpose it doesn't have to be taught on purpose it can be inherently learned and not even realizing the people who are teaching it, not even realizing that they're teaching it to the children. Okay. So I hope that that makes sense is that number one, children are not born with hatred in their hearts. Number two, childlike faith is the key. 
point blank. Childlike faith is the key and the answer to all. And I say that because I can truly relate with Ruby. I can truly relate that if you truly just follow God and have childlike faith and get all of the nonsense that we learn and experience as adults out of the way and we just follow God and be the children of God, right? That he does not call us adults in the Bible. He does not call us anything but his children. If we just be his children and understand what a child's purpose is, then we would understand that that is the key. Number three, you cannot fight darkness with darkness. You cannot fight racism with racism. You cannot fight hatred with hatred. You cannot fight darkness with darkness. You guys may or may not know the scripture, but a demon cannot drive out a demon. It just does not work that way. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only thing that can drive out a demon and a demon comes from darkness. Jesus is light. Light is the only thing that can defeat dark. So please remember and understand that. And last but certainly not least, it is not about race. It is about love and fruit. And I think that we have to understand that there are good people and bad people on all sides. All white people are not racist. I don't understand how many times I've had to say this to people. All white people are not racist. (laughs) They're not, they're just not. Okay. However, All black people are not not racist. Black people can definitely be racist. If you are mad at me for saying that, I'm sorry. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Okay. Let's have this discussion. But black people can be racist as well. Just the same as Mexican people. Just the same as Asian people. Everybody can have tendencies to be racist. To Can have tendencies to stereotype another group of people. Please understand what I'm saying, okay? Point blank and period. And so I think that from my perspective, it's not about race. It's about love and fruit. Love and what fruit does that person put out into the atmosphere and into the world? What is the fruit of their labor? What are they putting out? Are they putting out hatred? Are they putting out division? Are they putting out a dislike or disdain for a certain group of group of people? Or are they saying, you know what? We should love these people. We should pray for these people, regardless of what the case may be. What is their fruit? Okay. Love is the key to overcoming all darkness, anything. Love is the key. And a scripture that I wanted to make sure that I ended us off with is train a child up in the way that he should go and he shall not depart from it. When Jesus said this, he was saying it obviously in the way of train your child up to know and love the way that gets that child into heaven and to God. But I think it can apply to so many different areas of our lives. Train a child up to love and not to hate and they will not depart from it. Train a child up to love God and not love the things of the world and he will not depart from it. Train a child up in the way that they should go and they will not depart from it. Even if, you know, the prodigal son, even if they decide to leave for a little bit and make their own decisions, eventually they will know and understand. I got to go back to the basics. I got to go back in the way that I was trained up. Even if the child goes through a spurt of forgetting the way that they were trained up, they will always remember it, especially, especially if they were trained up on love and faith as their foundation. And so 
I pray that today's podcast was a blessing to you. I pray that you enjoyed learning more about Mrs. Ruby Bridges. And I pray that, you know, you share this podcast with somebody else who you know could learn about Ruby Bridges or Jarena Lee or Shirley Chisholm and all of our modern pioneer women of her time that we've talked about so far during this Black History Month. We have one more episode this coming Monday with our last modern pioneer woman of her time. And I'm super excited to get into that and then y'all we gonna be right back into it if you are a part of the inner circle tonight's masterclass is probably going to ruffle your feathers a bit but it's something that we need to know and that we need to learn and if you're not a part of the inner circle make sure that you click that link in the show notes and join the pursuit okay remember the pursuit is literally free for everyone you just got to make the choice to do it Join the pursuit, get on the email list, make sure that you're doing more than just listening, but you're actually doing. Remember, we are not just hearers of the word, but we are doers of the word. And remember, when there are two or more gathered together, there is power in that thing. So stop trying to do this alone. Join the community, connect with other like-minded individuals and women so that you can truly have the strongest foundation possible for your pursuit. I'll see you guys next week.